Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Don't go looking for fights. Please don't. There's too many, there's Christians in this world who they they get this in their mind of like, I'm going to go pick fights. Don't pick fights. Don't worry. If you're living for Christ, the fights will come to you in various forms. Rarely will they be physical confrontations. And I don't think you need to worry about that as much because the real fights are the spiritual front ones because that's that battle that you face. It's, it's not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities. Our fight isn't with flesh and blood. It's easy to look at people with different ideals or religious beliefs and label them as the enemy, but they are captive to the real enemy. He sometimes leads them to attack and bring harm to other believers. And as Pastor James explains in today's message, defending ourselves from physical attack is our natural response. But we need to remember that God wants to save and redeem even the vilest and most hateful of sinners. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Numbers, chapter 21, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. If you want existence without him, he will give that to you. God doesn't force anybody into heaven. Because just so we understand this, anybody who hates Jesus, to them, heaven would be hell. So we understand how that works. So he gives them what they want. What they want is, I don't want Jesus. Okay. Then you will have, then you will have no Jesus for all of eternity. That, that's, that's how this thing works. Says the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but the people love darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. That's Jesus giving Nicodemus a Bible lesson of a story he should have been very familiar with. And he was. And he was. But Jesus is, he's going back to Numbers chapter 21. He's like, Nicodemus, I'm going to be the snake on the pole. That's what's going to happen. Just like God used that to save the people in Israel as they were wandering around through the wilderness in their rebellion and how they cried out to Moses and Moses cried out to me and and I came up with this solution, a very simple solution. That's what it's going to be like from here on out. The simple solution is Jesus is the way. He's the way. So Moses made the snake out of bronze, attached it to a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. Like, it's as simple as that. Like, that's it. Like, Paul references this in 1 Corinthians. Um, Beautiful little story. But it's just another just presentation of, like, how simple the gospel is. But that's hard for some people to believe in because, again, it can't be that easy. But it is. And I know that's hard for, for some individuals. It, it's, it's a relief for some, and it's a challenge for others. It, it just can't be that simple. We've had people in this church, and they're just like, I, I've, done, I've done terrible things. There's just no way. Forgiveness can't be for me. It is. You just got to look to Jesus. Just look to Jesus. 
So they have that little story, and now we must move on. Verse 10, the Israelites traveled next to Oboth uh, and camped there. Then they went to uh, Ai, that's an awesome one, Ai uh, Abarim, and in the wilderness, on, uh, in the wilderness on the eastern border of Moab. From there they traveled to the valley of Zered Brook and set up camp. Then they moved out and camped on the far side of the Arnon River in the wilderness adjacent to the territory of the Amorites. The Arnon is the boundary line between the Moabites and the Amorites. For this reason, the book of wars of the Lord speaks uh, of the town of uh, Waheb, if that's how you say that, in the area of Sufa, uh, and the ravines of the Arnon River, and the ravines that extend far as the settlement of of Ar or Ar on the border of Moab. So what this is letting you know is this all through the line. See where Edom is and Moab? This is just they're traveling. They're just traveling up to uh, Bashan up there. But they're just camping here, camping there. And this isn't like your and my idea of camping either, okay? This is just like like we're trying to get somewhere that we feel like we are never going to get to. So for them, they're just like, but it's right there. The, it, the promised land is right there. It's just right there. Why can't we just go in? Well, yeah, that, we, we answered that 40 years ago. <laughs> That's why we can't go in. So they're, they're working their way up to, to this northern region up here, close to where the, the Dead Sea is going to be. Um, they're just making their way. From there, the Israelites traveled to Beer. Uh, beer yeah, that's what it's, it says, Beer, which means well. And all my, maybe my Baptist friends are like, can you pronounce it another way? Be air. Okay, there you go. That makes you uncomfortable. It's not like beer like you drink, okay? Come on, it's all right. It's, it's a word that means well. Um, it says, which is the well where the Lord said to Moses, assemble the people and I will give them water. Oh, look at that. Here, here it is. God knows of their needs and is going to provide for their needs because he already has a plan for the provision. There, the Israelites sang this song. Spring up a well. Spring up, oh, well, I guess. Yes, sing its praises. Sing of this well which princes dug the great leaders hollowed out with their scepters and staffs. This is, well, here, it's just interesting. They don't complain. God provides water. They sing a song. That's, that's good, right? The problem is, is that they're only happy when they get what they want, in one sense. You're like, why aren't you singing songs all throughout the journey? I mean, Miriam did when you crossed the Red Sea, but that was the last song we heard of. Until now, it's like, God's like, oh, Moses, get them all together. I need you to dig this well. I'm going to give them some water. And then the Israelites are like, oh, finally, finally. We don't have to complain to get what we want. And you never had to complain. God already knew the needs. And I, I give him credit. Write the song. The song's beautiful. The song's great. Um, sing more songs to God concerning his provision. I mean, has he taken care of your needs? What, what songs have you been singing lately? Is it nobody knows, you know, as you're clanging your cup on the prison, <laughs> prison bars, like, woe is me, nobody knows the troubles I've seen, like, oh yeah, okay. Or you can redirect your focus and be like, what has he given you? What has he provided for you? Maybe sing a song about that. So the Israelites then left, or then the Israelites left the wilderness and proceeded on through uh, Metaniah, uh, Nehel, and Bamoth. After that, they went through the valley of Moab where Pisgah Peak overlooks the wasteland. Um, 
Pisgah Peak. That's interesting. Uh, I can't. Uh, it, it overlooks uh, Geshemon, I think, is technically what that what that means. The wasteland is Geshemon. Uh, the Israelites sent ambassadors to King Sihon, uh, Sihon of the Amorites, with this message. Right, so they got to go through this guy's land to get to where they want to go. So they're going to send another delegation of ambassadors to go talk to this king to try to get permission. They say, let us travel through your land. We will be careful not to go through any of your fields and vineyards. We won't even drink the water from your wells. We will stay on the king's road until we have passed through your territory. But King Sihon refused to let them cross his territory. Instead, he, he mobilized uh, his entire army and attacked Israel in the wilderness, engaging them in the battle at uh, Jehaz. So they come peacefully. Can we please pass through your land? The king's like, mm, I'm going to attack you. They're like, no. He didn't even say no. He's just like, get the troops. We're going to attack these guys. Here's what I appreciate about this. The Israelites fight back. <laughs> yeah. You're like, yes, finally. Now I get it. They didn't fight back against the Edomites and when they were threatened and all that. It wasn't part of maybe God's plan. I don't know. But here, this guy comes out, and they've already fought a battle, and they've won it. So now they got this other dude who's going to attack them. Well, if you're going to attack me, then I'm going to fight back. That doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound very Christian. Well, that doesn't sound like you read your Bible. Because I think our friend Jonathan here last Sunday actually referenced this about, you know, the difference of turning your cheek and being offended. That's one thing. But if somebody's coming out to attack you, like, I'm not turning my cheek. I'm turning a good right cross. Um, that's, you know, a nice stiff jab. Like, you're going to attack. Like, oh, well, we can fight back. We can do this. I don't encourage you or promote fighting. I don't promote physical violence at all. Please don't do that. But I'll tell you this. If somebody were to come into this building and threaten the lives of our kids, you better believe we're fighting back. Here the Israelites, they're being attacked by this leader, by this army. And in verse 24, it says, they... The Israelites slaughtered them. They slaughtered them with their swords and occupied their land from the Arnon River to the Jabbok River. They went only as far as the Ammonite border because the boundary of the Ammonites was fortified. They're like, this, this war or these, this army comes out to attack them. Israelites were like, we're going to fight back because we have to defend ourselves. Please don't take this to an extreme. Don't go looking for fights. Please don't. There's too many, there's Christians in this world who they, they get this in their mind of like, I'm going to go pick fights. Don't pick fights. Don't worry. If you're living for Christ, the fights will come to you in various forms. Rarely will they be physical confrontations. And I don't think you need to worry about that as much. Because the real fights are the spiritual front ones. Because that's that battle that you face. It's, it's not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities. We need to pay more attention to that than the physical, what we sometimes think or we buy into, you know, hype in media sometimes, right? If there's a physical threat, hey, defend yourself. Defend others. If you're a man, you defend other people, period. Men defend their families and the family, the women and children, but other people. That's what men do, okay? There's no exceptions to that. You defend. You fight. If it's physical, if there's a physical threat. I wouldn't lose any sleep over that stuff, though. Okay? I just wouldn't. And then we have brothers and sisters who are getting beaten to death in other countries, and it's not because they're not fighting back. Look, I, I'm not 
whatever whatever's happening in some of these other persecuted areas and the, the physical violence that goes on, sometimes they don't fight back. Sometimes they do fight back and it costs them their lives and maybe that's the price to pay. I don't know. I don't have like a good answer for any of this stuff. All I do know is if there's physical threats that come in to try to hurt or harm others, stand up for them. Stand up for them. Defend them. Defend people. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And again, that's not speaking against brothers and sisters who are in foreign lands that we know that, I mean, they are physically being assaulted all the time. And we can't just go over there and be like, well, why don't you fight back, right? Because they're like, well, because I, I still want to be alive, right? And you're like, oh, yeah, okay, I understand that. But we pray for, we, that's why we pray for the persecuted church, because it's not always black and white in the, some of these things. But I do know where we live in America, there are threats that are out there. And we've seen them, and they think are all demon-possessed, and they go into churches and schools and they try to kill and they kill children. And that's ridiculous. Praise God that there are men who know how to take out threats. Okay? We defend. So I don't think the children of Israel are wrong for defending themselves when this other army comes out to attack them, to take their lives. They fight back and they win. So they captured these towns, verse 25. They captured all the towns of the Amorites and settled in them, including the city of Heshbon and its surrounding villages. Heshbon had been the capital of King Sihon of the Amorites. He had defeated a former Moabite king and seized all his land as far as the Arnon River. Therefore, the ancient poets wrote this about him. Here's a little poem. Uh, it says, Come to Heshbon and let it be rebuilt. Let the city of Sihon be restored. A fire flamed forth from Heshbon, ablaze from the city of Sihon. It burned the city of Ar or Ar in Moab. It destroyed the rulers of the Arnon Heights. So, or what sorrow awaits you, O people of Moab? You are finished, O worshipers of uh, Chemosh, which is a false god. Uh, Chemosh has left his sons as refuge, his daughters as captives of Sihon, the Amorite king. We have utterly destroyed them from Heshbon to Dib- Dibon, and we have completely wiped them out as far as uh, Nephoa to Mediba. And what you could title this little poem is Poetic Justice is what happens. Because this is what they used to sing about Sihon, who came in and overtook this land. And now Israel has overtaken it from Sihon himself. And they're settling in these villages. And the danger here is, don't get too comfortable. This isn't the promised land. You're not there yet. Oh, now we, like, we get to settle in these, these towns and all this stuff. No, no, no. This is just another stop along the way. This isn't the promised land. Okay, so that would have been a, could have been a danger for them. Last little bit, verse 31. So the people of Israel occupied the territory of the Amorites after Moses sent men to explore the Jazir area. They captured all the towns in the region and drove out the Amorites who lived there. Then they turned and marched up the road to Bashan, Bashan, or if that's how you say it, all the way up there to the top on the map. But King Og of Bashan and all his people attacked them at Edrei. The Lord said to Moses, do not be afraid of him, for I have handed him over to you, along with all his people and his land. Do the same to him as you did to King Sihon of the Amorites, who ruled in Heshbon. And Israel killed King Og, his sons, and all his subjects. Not a single survivor remained. Then Israel occupied their land. So they're moving up this wilderness. They're, they're kind of, they're taking a really long way around Israel. But as they're moving up, the Lord's blessed them with little victories. They got a victory when they, they got attacked. They, 
They wiped out the, their first threat. Then they're marching on. Then they had to, they had to, you know, a little slip up, so to speak, where they're complaining again about not having water and having to eat manna every single day. And then snakes and death. And, but a simple good news gospel solution of just look to the snake on the pole. And then they kept moving. And then they got attacked again, but then they, they had victory. Even though they got attacked, they gained victory. And then they move up even further, and they're, here it is again. Here's war again, a threat. But God lets Moses know. He's like, don't be afraid, because you already have victory. You already have victory in me, through me. Don't worry about Og. He's taken care of. In my books, he's already been taken care of. And I love how the Lord does this, because he's, he's given them a taste a victory along the journey. And so when he tells them, hey, don't be afraid, I have this solved. Number one, it communicates to Moses and the people of Israel, it's not really you, it's God. Okay, so don't let it go to your head. It's God who has given you victory within these battles. And you can trust God at his word when he says, I got this. I got this. He does the same thing for you and I all throughout this journey. There have been moments in your life where he has come through for you. And it's one of those teachable moments for the next lesson that we will forget. When we get to the next lesson, we'll forget about all he's ever done for us. Then we're like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right? We're like, we get very dramatic about how God has abandoned us and you've forgotten me. Why don't you care about me, God? And he's like, um, do I need to replay the tape? Because I, I, I came through for you just in this story, and then this story, and then this story, and this story. and this. How, how many do we need to revisit before you'll trust me? But God, it doesn't feel like, I mean, this is Og. The other two were lightweights. This is Og. I don't know anything about him. I didn't look him up at all. Um, I don't really care. He's a dead guy now, okay? He's a dead king. I'm sure there's some fascinating stuff about, uh, stuff about him. Have at it. You're, you can take, go home tonight, stay up in the wee hours of the night, um, watching crazy YouTube videos about Og that are probably not accurate, all right? Um, but you're not going to learn a lot. And whatever you do learn is not probably beneficial to your walk with Jesus. All I know is he's a bad guy. He showed up, and God stepped in and said, don't worry about that guy. I don't care what his reputation is. I don't care how big he is. I don't care how big the army is. You don't worry about him. You already have victory through me. And it's done. Honor your promises. If you make a promise, stick to it. Okay, if you've broken that promise, say I'm sorry and move on. Okay, <laughs> and so don't make another promise if you can't keep it. But more specifically, between you and God, if you make a promise, honor that thing, honor it, follow through with that. Second thing is learn contentment. Learn contentment. The word contentment technically means finding satisfaction in something. Be satisfied in the Lord and what he has provided for you. The Apostle Paul told us, I've learned to be content. Whether I've had much, whether I've had not a lot, in all states, I've learned to be content. That has to be our goal, is to be find satisfaction in the Lord Jesus regardless of our circumstances. Learn contentment. Because learning contentment means that you will do less complaining. You'll just do less complaining. There's not a lot of room left in your heart if it's full of contentment for complaining to seep in. And, and, and contentment and complaint 
complaining, they can't share, they can't occupy space together. It's impossible. One will drive the other one out. Okay, it's like gratitude and 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 complaining as well. One will drive the other one out. So I would say, uh, make a choice. Be thankful. Find contentment. Be satisfied in the Lord. And the last thing I would say is this: the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. It's His. He, he's got a plan. Whatever fight you are in, and remember, your your fight is against. It, it's a, it's a spiritual attack, and I know. The enemy can use people. I know that. I understand that. But our battle's not against flesh and blood. It's not against flesh and blood. But the battle already, it, it belongs to the Lord. He didn't, he didn't enlist you into his army because you're some sort of super soldier, right? You're not John Rambo. None of us are, right? Um, I think that's still a re- a, a, an applicable reference, right? Because they make like 20 of these movies. Um, so... He's still alive, so there you go. You're not the Terminator. You're not, I don't know who else, but you're not whatever that person is. You're a saint. You're a child of God. And he, he, he's, he can fight your battles for you. And he does a really good job of that. Uh, and, and the last thing I would say is this. Your enemies are his enemies. So be careful on who you classify as an enemy. Okay? Let me say it like this. Within the family of God... You can't classify a brother or sister as your enemy because that's your brother or sister in the Lord. Now, they may give you problems. They may give you problems, but they are not your enemy. They are not your enemy. Your enemies are God's enemies. Okay? And he's bigger and better than any of them and all of them combined. But don't mistake that. When Paul wrote that, uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, he's letting us know there is a bigger battle out there. And it's not between us. And it's sad when that happens in the church. Where we turn and we just start shooting at each other. Friendly fire all the time. Your enemy is not within the church. Your enemy is the principalities and the powers of the air. That's your enemy. Don't get it twisted. That's your enemy. Pray for your brothers and sisters If there's some in the church that just absolutely annoy you, pray for them. Maybe you annoy them too. I don't know. I know I annoy people. And guess what? People annoy me too. That's how it is. I think that's how this thing works, right? That goes away when we go to heaven. That's part of like what makes heaven heaven, right? Is it's like, oh, we all love each other and like we should now. Um, It took all of our lifetimes to get there, but, but we're not enemies. We're not enemies. The church down the road is not our enemy. They're not. The enemy is our enemy, okay? And he's not ours to fight. The Lord's got it. So keep marching, keep serving, keep trusting, learn contentment. And I would rather finish this race with like just a smile on my face. I'm going to be scratched up, bruised up, and all that stuff, but I'd rather just march into heaven like, man, Lord, look what you did. Look what you did. I don't know how you got me here, but it was all you. It was all you. So we trust in him. Uh, he cared about the children of Israel. He cares about us today. I mean, he loves us. Uh, whatever you are facing right now, he actually does care about that. So go to God. Pray to him. Enjoy a relationship with him. Man, just, just enjoy that. Don't neglect that. Don't neglect it. it it's, so, it's such a cool thing that we get. You've 
You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. How often is the voice of God ignored? Do you tune him out because you think you know what he's going to say to you? Or maybe it just comes straight from a disobedient heart, like that of the Israelites, after being rescued from Pharaoh's rule. Getting out of Egypt wasn't enough for them, because, get this, they complained. They were disgruntled because God's way of doing things wasn't their way of doing things. Not only that, but they did what they wanted. Listen to how God responds to the Israelites' behavior in Numbers 4.22 and 23. Because all these men have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these ten times and have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. That's pretty heavy, but it comes from a loving father who's teaching his children to obey him without question. What is your next step of obedience? If you enjoyed today's message from Numbers and want to hear more, then go to breadforthebroken.com where you'll hear more of God's truth and what it means for your life. That website, once again, is breadforthebroken.com. Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas. Would you consider donating some of your resources to support this ministry? All you have to do is visit us at breadforthebroken.com to learn how. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. Make sure you join us again next time here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, babe.